I'm Diana, and I love printing and design, typography and branding, books and publishing. I've traveled the world learning about trends to share with my students and with my readers. But I haven't forgotten where I started, writing papers about paper on paper. And now, I've created a podcast to share what I know with you. So, let's talk paper scissors. The anatomy of type is crucial to understand if you're a designer, layout artist, or type designer, but it isn't the most interesting subject. So I've decided to have a little fun with it. I worked for a book printer when I started my career and I was a sales representative. So I spent my days reaching out to prospective publishers like the HarperCollins of the world uh, to sell the printing of books. The publishers would be the ones to work with the authors and the marketing experts and the designers to create the book that would be ready to be published and then we would print it. So they would send us a final PDF file of the text pages and of the cover, and we would bring the book to life, ready for store shelves for readers near and far to enjoy. Where I'm going with this is that in my time working in sales, I for some reason began seeing the same type of work come across my desk again and again and again. There was a lot of children's publishing, which I loved, and on the other end of the spectrum, there was a lot of uh, romance novels, which I found hilarious. There wasn't a whole lot in between, but I definitely covered the two ends of the spectrum. It wasn't uncommon to see Cowboy ABCs, along with Cowboy Commando, being finalized on the same day. That said, I'm taking a nod from my former role to bring you today's podcast. Today you will hear about the anatomy of type through the lens of a children's book, and then a slightly more racy rundown of my top three favorite indecent parts of a character, or in other words, the parts of the character that make my 12-year-old brain giggle. Now I know this is a visual topic, so I can only convey so much meaning in an audio format. Therefore, I do recommend that you check out talkpaperscissors.info for visuals to accompany this episode. I also recommend that you grab an old book or an old magazine or even just a cereal box to label the parts of each character that I describe to help you better understand what I'm talking about and save it for future reference. Before we get to our story, let's do a quick rundown of some of the more common parts of characters that I will mention in the story. It should help you understand some of the subtle nuances I've slipped in. This helpful rundown is from canva.com. So a serif. A serif is simply a short stroke that extends from the open ends of a letter form. So serifs are uh, one of the two main categories of type, the other being sans serif, which I'll get to in a second. So those short strokes have a very specific purpose. Long passages of text are often set in serif typeface because the serifs add visual weight to the baseline, making the lines of text easier for us to read and to follow with our eyes. Sans serif. So this literally means without line. So they therefore are typefaces with no serifs. They're typically more modern looking faces. Next we have a baseline. So the baseline is the invisible line that all of the letters sit on. Serifs, as I've mentioned already, help accentuate or increase the visibility of this baseline to help readers more easily follow lines of text. 
Next up is the cap height. And this is exactly what it sounds like. So it's the height of the uppercase letters. Sometimes ascenders on lowercase d's and b's, for example, will actually extend above the cap height. But the cap height is the height of the uppercase letters. Next we have x height, also called the waistline. It's the height of the lowercase letters. So from the baseline up to the x height, or the top of the lowercase letters, is what we refer to as a character's x height. Next up we have stroke. And a stroke is any linear, whether curved or straight, part of a character. So for example, an uppercase letter R is actually made up of three strokes. It has a vertical stem, it has a curved bowl, and it has a diagonal leg. So all of those parts of a character are both strokes as well as the specific names I've just mentioned. In the, in the case of an uppercase R, we have that vertical stem, the curved bowl, and the diagonal leg. Stem. So the stem is the main vertical stroke of a character. And you can think of this like the stem of a plant, right? So it holds up the, uh, the character, it's its support system. Ascender and descender. Now an ascender extends above the x height and sometimes actually above the cap height too, as I've mentioned. And a descender is just the opposite. It extends below the baseline. So from the lowercase letter uh, down past the baseline, lowercase d's and b's have ascenders while lowercase p's and q's have descenders. Apex and vertex. The uppermost point where two strokes meet and the lowermost point where two strokes meet. These are the apex and the vertex respectively. It may be sharp or it may be blunt. Think uppercase letter A and the letter V. So an A has an apex at the top and a V has a vertex at the bottom. That's kind of the easiest way I like to remember it. Next we have arm. And an arm is a horizontal stroke that connects to the stem on one side. So think of an arm, uh, think of the arms on an uppercase letter T that extend from either side of its main vertical stem, waving around kind of like human arms. Next we have leg. And a leg is a short descending stroke. So the uppercase letter R or the upper or lowercase letter K both have legs. Shoulder. So a shoulder is a curved stroke extending from a stem. Excellent examples include a lowercase letter h, so the curved part of that lowercase h is referred to as a shoulder, just like a human shoulder kind of curves around in the same, in the same direction. Lowercase letter m and lowercase letter n's also have shoulders. Crossbar. So the crossbar is a horizontal stroke enclosed within a letter. An uppercase letter A or an uppercase letter H both have crossbars that help that support system of the overall character. Now this is not to be confused with a cross stroke. So a crossbar is that stroke enclosed within a letter whereby a cross stroke is that horizontal stroke that extends through a letter. 
So there's a subtle difference there through a letter. You can think of a lowercase letter t or a lowercase letter f. Those both have cross strokes. Next up we have bowl. So a bowl is a closed round or oval part of a character. Lowercase letter a has a bowl. Lowercase letter b and for that matter uppercase letter b. Those uh, those characters have bowls as well as the lowercase letter d for example. Counter. A counter is a closed or partially enclosed area of the space within a letter. So for example, the letter A has a closed counter, while the letter U has an open counter. And the counter of the center of the lower case E has a special name. It's actually called an I, which is appropriate, of course, because I starts with the letter E, and also that, that enclosed area looks like the shape of a human eye. Terminal. If a character does not have a serif, it's a sans serif font, but it has a decorative end, then this is called a terminal. Terminals can either be ball terminals, which are circular, or finials, which are curved or tapered. And last up, we have swash. A swash is a decorative extension from a letter form. It's typically an add-on character to the main character set in a font, and it is just there for decoration to make it look a little fancier. Just before we get to our story, let's take a minute to chat about something called a pangram. The sentence, the quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog. It contains all letters of the alphabet, and this is otherwise known as a pangram. It's used when testing out different typefaces. The earliest known occurrence of this sentence actually dates back to 1885, when it was referenced in an article in the Boston Journal. Now, they used A instead of the more common the, quick brown fox, but just the same, that's the earliest time it was actually mentioned. Now, if you head to YouTube and search quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog, you'll get to witness a miraculous two-minute, 11-second video from 2007 of, yes, a quick brown fox who actually jumps over a lazy dog. The internet now officially contains everything there is to contain in the world. While quick brown fox jumps over the lazy dog, packs all 26 letters of the alphabet into just 32 letters, 33 if you include an A at the beginning or an A in front, uh, which also gives you all of the letters of the alphabet in lowercase, which is handy. There are other pangrams out there. Here are some of my favorites. Five hexing wizard bots jump quickly. 31 letters. Pack my box with five dozen liquor jugs. 31 letters. The five boxing wizards jump quickly. 31 letters. Two driven jocks help fax my big quiz. 30 letters. Sphinx of black quartz, judge my vow. 29 letters. Impressive. Let's move on to story time. So please sit back, relax, and take a listen as I tell you the story of the letter parade.
Serif and Sans are the best of friends. Their differences complement each style. Like chalk and cheese, zero to 30 degrees, they've been friends for a long, long while. While Serif wears heels, embellished to the nines, Sans takes the opposite slant. She likes minimal gear, and she's very clear. Serif hams it up when Sans just can't. Today's a big day for this friendly duo. A parade is happening downtown. The party of the year, the alphabet's here. Seraph would surely be wearing a gown. As they approached the scene, they couldn't believe. All of the famous forms, from A to Z, all black, white, and red, the letters were here to perform. Here comes Big A, standing confident and tall. She is a sight to be seen, with an apex on top where her two strokes stop. I bet she'll be made letter parade queen. Next came Big B with his jovial belly. His spirit was advantageous. His round bits called bowls shook when he scrolled. His laughter, it was contagious. I can't stress enough. C's been through so much. It really is no joke. He's the reigning king. Oh, what trouble fame brings. His stress is in the thickening of his stroke. Next comes little D for all to see. He's reaching way up high. A generous lender reaching up with his ascender. He helps out because he's a nice guy. Big E and little E both come next. There's quite a difference in size. Big stem is strong, arms are long, while little keeps an eye on the prize. Little F's come to prove that he's ready to move. He's equipped with a cross stroke. Big F gives a wink. Little could barely blink, and then stood up tall as an oak. Here comes little G, so round and curved. His bottom is a loop. He's got an ear to hear loud and clear. For this reason, G's got all the scoop. Big H has a presence not many possess. He takes up a lot of space. From his bottom to his top, his cap height can't be cropped. His crossbar helps him to brace. Little I may be small, but she is mighty. Don't underestimate this one. If you look on top, her party doesn't stop. Her tittle has all the fun. Little Jay's a big thinker. Who likes to tinker? His descender helps him dive deep. In his design, he slips under baseline. He stretches down in order to leap. K comes out strong, showing off her leg. She's got a great one to stand on. High kicks are her scene. She's really a dream. Her stroke's greater than she planned on. Little L's got a lot and won't soon be forgotten. She ascends onto the stage with a stem standing tall. There's no way she'll fall. Oops, she's going to be enraged. Here comes M and his presence is felt, but he is really quite square. It's a little complex. He's got one vertex and two apexes up in his hair. Little N is ready for her parade debut. She has come to play. She looks over her shoulder. Bring on the smolder. Correction. She's come to slay. Oh me! Oh my! Oh wants to say hi. Please don't count her out. She's lovely and round and makes an oo-oo sound. Her counter's inside, no doubt. Little P descends onto the stage, carrying a bowl on her face. From pasta to plants, this letter enchants. Her own contains negative space. Next comes Big Q with her regal tail that extends from her round shape. It can cross right through or almost look like a shoe. 
I hope she remembered the tape. Arr, says Big R, who looks like a pirate, standing on one leg like a bloke. Swashbuckler's pride extending from his side, he shows off his decorative stroke. S is all swerves. You can see his spine. His curvature is quite sly. If he stood up straight, he'd have a different fate. Well, he's a better man than I. Tiny T's tenaciously tedious, but tender and tall. He'll need to pay a tariff. He's at the end of his stroke. It is no joke. It's terminal when it's not a seraph. You likes to entertain. Her energy never feigns. She's always thinking about others. No matter which case, she's got open counter space for her sisters and her brothers. V is victorious, vivacious, and vexing. No other letter quite comes close. When seen from afar, she's like A minus the bar. V stands on her head juxtaposed. W resembles other forms, an undercover agent of sorts. He's double the V, turns me into we, a team player of every sport. Little X marks the spot, hits the target, makes the shot. X is a stroke times two. Measured from the baseline to the waistline, X height describes all lower cases too. Why should Y let out a sigh? She's got all the same parts. Strokes and a tail, a vertex that scales. This form's got a lot of smarts. And last comes Zed, sometimes called Z, showing off her famous hairline. Thin strokes are stunning, never cunning, but sometimes mistaken for a spine. Each letter so different in their beautiful forms, in various widths, weights, and styles. Each character shines through beauty and brains too. They've all got a reason to smile. Each flaunted their font in the letter parade. They showcased their best perks. From condensed to wide, they showed so much pride. And altogether, they just work. Exclamation point! The parade didn't disappoint. Seraph and Sans were elated. Heavy and light every character right. It was worth how long they waited. Sans turned to Seraph and kerned her in close. You're the best friend there ever was! And away they sped, hitting the lead, ensuring they upheld the type laws. As for Seraph and Sans, it wouldn't be long before catching a glimpse of the alphabet. They looked in the mirror and it became clearer. These two forms, well, they're typeset. Now that the G-rated version of the lesson is through, let's move on to the PG-13 rated version. Better than nothing, right? Here we go. The anatomy of type. The good, the bad, and the naughty edition. Here's my top three favorite terms for the parts of characters that are a little risque. Number three. We have the crotch. Now, the crotch is the space where the arms of a character meet the stem, such as the letter V or the center of the capital letter M. Now, there's two types of crotches. <laughs> there's an acute crotch, which is less than 90 degrees, while an obtuse crotch is greater than 90 degrees. Number two, tittle. T-I-T-T-L-E, tittle. 
A tittle is simply the dot above the lowercase letter i and the lowercase letter j. And lastly, number one, diphthong, spelt D-I-P-H-T-H-O-N-G. A diphthong is a glyph or a secondary compound character. It's comprised of two vowels in a single syllable, such as A and E together. In other words, these alphabetic symbols represent the pronunciation of a combined vowel. A diphthong is a subcategory of a ligature, which is two or more intersecting letters fused into a single character. Common ligatures include the letters F and L together. They're sometimes connected uh, for stylistic reasons. Diphthongs are also called tied characters, or sometimes they're referred to as quaints. The bottom line is, the next time you write something down, don't forget to cross your T's and tittle your I's. Today's office quote comes from Season 9, Episode 2. Dwight and Nellie Bertram are at odds about a special project she's proposing, and in order to trick Dwight and get her own way, she uses typography. Mm, well done, Nellie. Here we go. Talking head to camera. Dwight. I feared Nellie had some sort of plan, but she used a ridiculous font. You don't have a plan. Nellie. When you use a ridiculous font, no one thinks you have a plan. And there you have it. Another episode is in the books. Thanks for hanging out with me, and I look forward to the next time we get to talk paper scissors.